Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Um, how many know this, that we live in a day and an age of restlessness? I mean, there's just this restlessness. There's, I mean, man, just, you know, stay at, stay at the stoplight too long and, and you'll feel restlessness behind you in the form of a horn. Right, and I'm even guilty of this. I mean, I say things like, "Yeah, it's it's the pedal on the right," right? Or are you, are you waiting for a particular shade of green because the green's good for me? I mean, I've been just as guilty as anyone else on these things. But there's just this sense of restlessness, and too often, I myself fall into this trap as well. And I found that, and maybe it's my personality. Maybe some of you who identify with the same personality would agree with me, or maybe this is just a human condition. Um, but I find myself feeling guilty when I take a break or I slow down. It's like I literally have to take a break, but when I do, I feel guilty about it. What made me think about this is vacation times coming up. And for us as a family, we absolutely love to camp. It's an awesome time together, family time together. But, you know, I'm trying to gear myself up because I found with myself that a lot of times it can take two, three days, maybe four days to really be there, to be present in that moment of rest, which how many know we can all use? How many know we all need? And, you know, for me, I think disengaging from social media has helped quite a bit in this area. Because in social media, there's a certain push, if you will, right? It's this, this meme and Instagram-worthy mantra, you know, how bad do you want it? Live a legacy, right? You got to give 110%, bro, every day. Like every day you're on and you're going push, push, make it happen. How many have seen these things on social media? Now, let me say this. I do think that this is really essential for those who have been slacking in life. I think it's important and, and maybe uh, for those who, let's say you have a background where the people that you hang around with, maybe family members and friends, they've always taken the easy route, right? Uh, I think these messages are vitally important to discipline yourself. It's okay to postpone gratification. That's why when Pete usually talks about offering her money, he'll say things like, hey, do you have a budget in line? He doesn't say that because he's just trying to talk down to you, but he and Jess have had a budget for years. And, you know, we could say, well, it's a Dave Ramsey thing, and there's several other names out there. But when you have a budget, basically you're postponing gratification for a time to save up and be ready. And so I think if you're a person who deals with those things, maybe it's okay to postpone the gratification. Maybe it's okay to override your feelings for a season. This is essential. You know, I have this life it's beautiful, it's sacred, it's important, it's God-given, and I should give myself to some things. That's really important. But let me say this. Having a work ethic is great, right? But the problem is when that obliterates any sense of rhythm. Because there's some people, they go, 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 push, 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 and they never shut down. They never take time off. They never take time to rest. Some days, think about this, you don't give 110%. I know that's foreign to us in a Western culture that's push, 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 consumerism, 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 go, go, go. But sometimes you don't give 110%. Some days 
You don't get it everything you got. I'm not going to give it everything I got today. Sometimes you actually need to turn off your engines. Are you still with me? Because I know this goes against the grain of what we've maybe heard, what we've been taught. And I'm not saying, again, that, that you shouldn't do anything or have plans. That's important. And maybe you're even thinking this, okay, pastor, that's great. I mean, that's a great little social media post that you could put out there, but is it biblical? Let me show you. Let's look at Genesis. Actually, let's go to Exodus first. Second book of the Old Testament, Exodus. And I love here what the Lord is saying, starting in verse 8. God says, observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. How many have ever heard this before? Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, some of us, it's easy to convert this over to 21st century terms, and we're like, okay, that means you go to church every Sunday. Which, by the way, to the Jews, Sabbath was on Saturday. It began Friday night into Saturday evening. And so um, there's even a, uh, a, I'm a videographer, and so I buy things online, and B&H is one of the places I uh, go to, and it's interesting. They're actually Jewish-owned, and so if you go on there Friday night through Saturday, you can't order anything during that time because it's a day of rest. But look at this. He says, observe the Sabbath and keep it what? So we turn this into, we want to be holy, right? Holy, holiness is like this spiritual thing, like, whoa, on that day I need to be really, really like God-like. But you know the word holy literally means to be separate, to be different. He's saying, I want this day to be different. Keep it holy. Look at this, verse 9. You have six days in which, you, in which to do your work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. On that day, say that day, no one is to work. Wow. Neither you, your children, your slaves, your animals, nor the foreigners who live in your country. In other words, this day, no work. In six days, I, the Lord, this is God speaking, made the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, I rested this that is why i the lord blessed the sabbath and made it holy now when when you think about this idea he's bringing in the creation story right we we hearken back to the creation story that god's referring to in genesis chapter 2 i want to pick this up in verse 1 through 4 and so the whole universe was completed now this is ending the whole first chapter of the creation story right and it says, and the whole universe was completed. Say completed. But look at verse 2. By the seventh day, God finished what he had been doing and stopped doing what? Working. He blessed the seventh day, set it apart as a special day, because by that day, he had what? Completed his creation and stopped, say it with me again, working. And that is how the universe was created. We see a story here of the divine, a story of God resting. There's something central to creation about rest. And oftentimes we forget this idea of rest. See, the creation story is a Hebrew poem. If you actually didn't read the English version of this portion of the Torah or scripture, you would literally see that it's a poem in its cadence, in its form. It's absolutely beautiful. It's this Hebrew poem, and it reaches its fullness and culmination in the seventh day. Not the sixth, but the seventh. 
which is different than the other days, right? Day seven, according to God, according to Heavenly Father, is different than the other days of creation because it's the day that God doesn't create. God rests. Say God rests. Now the word rest here in the Hebrew is the word Shavat. Say Shavat. Which also can be translated Sabbath. But it means this, to cease, desist, and to celebrate. God is literally saying there's a day, one day a week, you have all six, do with them what you will, get all the work done you need to, but on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, on the Savat, I want you to cease, I want you to desist, and I want you to celebrate. You see, creation is not complete without rest. It's that day six is not the final day of the creation story. Day seven brings it to full completion. There is no fullness of life without celebration. And too often we forget this, me included. I'm talking to myself today. I'm preaching at myself, if you will, this morning, especially as I think about these family trips coming up and really being present detaching from those things around me. This is a spiritual thing. This is important not just for you physically, but also for you mentally and spiritually. This is so important. Because if we don't, the stretch just keeps building and building and building. If you think about it, this savat, this rest, it's built into the very fabric of creation. Everything around, even us included. Without rest and celebration, you don't have the fullness of creation. How many, want, how many want the fullness of creation, the fullness of life? Now, just something really cool. I had referred to this idea that in the Hebrew, that this story was written in po- poetic form. And you see that cadence, you see that flow. But it's written in, in a numerical value. Some of you may be familiar with this uh, because in, in the Hebrew uh, you know, numbers mean something. They're very essential and very important. But get this, check out these numbers. Genesis 1-1 in the Hebrew has seven words in it. Those seven words have 28 letters, which is divisible by seven, right? Seven times what? Four. You're like, I didn't know I was going to do math this morning. It's too early. I didn't have enough coffee. But I want us to get this flow. Genesis 1-2 has 14 words in it, That's seven times two. The first three Hebrew words for in the beginning God created in Hebrew have 14 letters between them, seven times two. If you look at chapter two, verses one through three, the whole section on Sabbath or Savat is made up of 35 Hebrew words, which is seven times five. Isn't this cool? The word earth in the creation story is mentioned 21 times, seven times Three, I knew Bruce would know the answer. The term heavens or firmament occurs 21 times. Did I already say that? Which is seven times three. Look at this. The phrase it was so occurs seven times. The phrase it was good occurs seven times. Do you see a pattern? See, patterns of seven are extremely important to the writer. Why? Why would seven And these patterns of seven be so important because in Hebrew literature, numbers are significant. They mean something. And the number patterns, uh, even to the hearers, were important. See, as you grew up, I mean, we think about when we read something, like, have you ever thought about this? 
like the children of Israel or the Old Testament prophets or even the New Testament uh, things that we see. Sometimes I think without realizing it subconsciously, we picture them with a Bible in their hand. But they didn't have a physical scripture in hand. In fact, most of this and these stories were passed down by speaking and saying. They weren't written down for many, many, many years. Um, I know these days it's hard because sometimes I can't even remember where I put my keys. But honestly, right? But, but in this time, it was just different. They, it wasn't like, remember we used to play the game in youth group? I forgot, it was like you, you tell one person next to you like something in their ear and it passes through a lot of people. And by the end, okay, what did they say? And it's completely changed. They didn't have this issue in this culture. This was important to them. They listened. Their children listened. Dear God, that's amazing. Their children listened when the parents were speaking. They, they took in these stories. They took them to heart. They understood that. And so as they're hearing these different ideas and these stories, they understand that numbers were significant. And they knew they could hear the sevens after seven after seven. In the poem, in the story, they actually hear seven, 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 seven. And the seven refers to the fullness of creation. It's a complete cycle. Seven is the number that brings us to completion, that brings us to wholeness. It's the number, get this, it's the number of rest. Isn't that awesome? So I want us to draw a mental picture of kind of where we're going today because it's so easy to just read English versions of the Bible, which it's beautiful, we can do that, right? But there's so much more depth and so much more meaning in what's being said. And so we, we bounce back to Exodus where God is saying, observe the Sabbath, this day is important. Keep it holy. Keep it separate. Keep it different than the other six. He's speaking about these commands and these, these different uh, parameters for their life. And it's being spoken to a people who had just been rescued from slavery. Because a lot of times you're like, well, why did all this have to get laid down? Listen, their mentality was a slave mentality. In fact, one of the first things that God says, one of the first things he spoke to the children of Israel, he said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt where you were slaves. Why would God say this? They certainly already knew because he wanted them to repeat this idea, repeat the story over and over so they would never forget. Now, we know historically, we're not going to get into that today, but by the time of King Solomon, they had completely forgotten because even Solomon's palace, right, his terrace, the temple, was being built by slave labor. Solomon was buying arms, chariots, and horses and selling them to other countries. He had forgotten what the Lord had said not to forget. You're not like another empire. You're not like another nation. You are to be separate and holy. You're supposed to be different. Reflect a different way of life. But think about this. The Israelites, when, they were, when God was speaking this over them, they were owned. Who were they owned by? The Pharaoh. And think about this. They had to work all the time, seven days a week. It was nonstop. There was no day of rest. In fact, at one point, the Pharaoh got so angry when Moses, they were having this, you know, back and forth about releasing them. What did he do? He stepped up. He said, you're going to work harder. There's no breaks now. So these are People who had came out of slavery with slavery mentality, and God saw this. See, think about this, and this even applies to today. You know, we just finished up a series called Out of Context, and it's so easy to, to read something 
in just one little portion and, and, and pull it out of context, not understanding the history and you know, who it was written to and why it was written. That's why we should never put ourselves into the Bible as if that letter was written to us. But how many know it was written for us? We can learn things. So I believe in this same way. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't there thousands and thousands of years ago with Israel. It's not like God was speaking to me, but can I learn something from this? Absolutely. But think about this concept, this idea of working seven days a week. You know, when you work, 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 your value, right, your worth, your self-worth, your identity, it comes from how many bricks you make. That's where the children of Israel are. That's where we are many times. Our identity comes from how productive and efficient we are. Now, maybe I'm speaking to someone who's like, I'm not productive or efficient. But at some point in life, you fall into this flow, into this system. I'm not saying we shouldn't be productive, but we make that our identity. And then, think about this, it filters into and mixes into our relationship and our spiritual life with God. So suddenly we think, okay, the spiritual life is all about producing. Well, certainly it is, but Jesus says, you can't produce anything without me. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches you bear the fruit but the fruit comes from the source and the source is God and Jesus right the vine dresser and the vine is this making sense and so it's so easy to get into this place where we feel like we have to do 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 but it's from the wrong place so they've been rescued from that life of slavery and God has to show them what it means what it looks like think about this to be human again they were like machines. They were like robots. This is what you do. This is how you work. Because being told that you can work six days, but on the seventh you must rest, it's a brand new understanding of reality. This was something new to the Israelites. It's a new identity in the God who rests. And we're made in his image and likeness. And so he's trying to shake them out of this idea. And he wasn't forcing them. He wasn't making them necessarily but I will say this, it was a command. If you get into a place where things are just normal and you fall in just a day-to-day rut, how many of you know sometimes it takes someone to shake you and almost command you out of that? It's not God being mean. He's saying, hey, stop thinking this way. Your work and your work and your work, that is not your identity. You have to find this flow. You have to find this rhythm, say rhythm. And honestly, the idea of a God who makes the world and then rests, it's kind of a crazy idea. I mean, this creation story, there were many creation stories at this time being told. This happened to be the Hebrew version. And most stories were built on labor and work, violence and carnage. It usually dealt with gods who were at war. One God was defeated. I mean, some of these are pretty gruesome, literally like death and carnage, like one God ripped another God and scattered them into pieces, and there's, there's how, how we got here. I mean, some crazy ideas, but the Hebrew story was about a God of grace and love who created simply because he wanted to, simply because he wanted relationship. Beautiful story. And it was separate. It was holy compared to the other stories of the time. But this idea that this God would rest is a crazy idea. It's not talking about, you know, necessarily an infinite God who's tired, like, man, I just did six days of work. Woo! I need a rest day. No, no. 
being tired and resting, those are completely different things. How many can understand that? This ceasing from or desisting from creating is what we're talking about. So you think about this, you're not experiencing the fullness of your humanity, who God has made you to be until you're living in this rhythm of doing and not doing, of working and celebrating, of creating and resting, of building and then ceasing from your efforts. And it's okay because God commanded us to live this rhythm. God himself lives this rhythm. That's why I love Matthew eleven twenty eight. What does Jesus say? He says, come to me, all you who are what? Weary. What else? If you're carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I've read this, this portion of scripture. Bruce, I know you have several times yourself, and there's so many things in there. But it just dawned on me uh, when I was just putting some notes together. And this morning, I looked at it, and I said, well, wait a minute. Because I usually said stuff like, well, you know, uh, they were under law and they were under all these things. And that's true. But why would Jesus intentionally say, listen, if you're weary, if you're heavy laden, if you have heavy burdens on your shoulders, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. Jesus is not saying anything different than what God said. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then it makes sense that Jesus, basically, he's repeating what, what God said in Exodus. He's saying you've got to find rest. Why would he say that? Because they weren't living that way. And it dawned on me, I thought, well, wait. They were super religious about Sabbath. Like, I mean, if, if, if you literally, the one guy in the Bible picked up sticks for a fire on Sabbath and they stoned them to death. That's, that's crazy. I'm glad that I can pick up sticks on the Sabbath and start a campfire for my kids without rocks being hurled at me. But they were living in this way where they weren't doing anything. I'm doing air quotes if someone's listening to this. They weren't doing anything, yet they still were doing something. They weren't receiving complete rest. It wasn't a mindset of, okay, there's something about this rhythm of doing and not doing. Doing and not doing. This word rest means what? Cease from movement. Now listen, Jesus doesn't have a problem with movement. Jesus doesn't have a problem with you doing things. There's things to do in the kingdom. But listen, what's the source of your movement? We talk about this all the time, don't we? What's the source of your doing, of your work? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Is it fear that I must do this? Is it ambition? For some of us, it's ego, right? It becomes all about us. Look what I can do. Look what, look what I can do, right? Or... Does it come from love? Does it come from grace? Does it come from peace? I almost can hear Jesus saying, does it come from me? If you're weary, if you're heavy, heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. There's that word again, Shavat, rest. I love this in Eugene Peterson's message translation. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Some of us need to recover our life. Some of us don't even know what our life's about. We're in a rat race. We're hamsters on a wheel. We're running on a treadmill. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Sometimes we feel this way, don't we? 
But this isn't the life that Jesus calls us to. He says, I want you to rediscover your life in me. Because I'm going to say, I'll show you how to take a real rest. I, I love this translation because, again, I believe that the children of Israel, the Hebrews, even at the time in the first century when Jesus showed up on planet Earth, God in flesh, the incarnation, I believe that they were observing the Sabbath according to ritual, according to law. But he says, I want you to take a real rest. Ooh. Maybe the rest that they're experiencing isn't real. He says, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Listen, any good teacher, any good rabbi would not just throw you in the thick of it. They'll say, hey, come here. Watch how I work. I want you to follow my lead. And then eventually I'm going to put you in the position. Did you know that this is how it worked in the first century and even before? Is when a, a rabbi would, would pick a student or a pupil, they would go everywhere and do everything the rabbi did. As the rabbi walked through town, you would see an entourage. You would see a trail of these young ones, these teenagers, following their rabbi in order to see how he did it, how he worked. So Jesus wasn't saying anything out of context. He was seen as a rabbi. He's saying, listen, I want you to truly walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it, and get this next phrase. This is so powerful. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. How many in the last several years have been learning the unforced rhythms of grace? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it like, it's almost like there's a weight off, like that burden is off. What I found is it doesn't mean there's not work to do, but you do it from a different center point, right? He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How does this play out? Here's a few examples. Rest is taking a day a week to remind you myself, I'll even speak to myself, right? Remind yourself that we didn't make the world and that it will continue to exist without my efforts. I mean, that's pretty simple, but is it easy to do? Rest is a day when my work is done, even if it isn't. That's even hard for me to say, right? But that's how I am. It's like, okay, just one more minute, just one, one more hour, just one more day. I can do a little bit more, and I have to learn to say, nope, the work's done, even if it isn't. Rest is a day when my job is to simply enjoy, period. Rest is a day when I'm fully available to myself and those I love the most, this is what I'm trying to prepare myself for mentally for vacation. Everything else can hold. Everything else can wait, right? Rest is a day when I remember that when God made the world, he saw that it was good, right? Rest is a day when I produce nothing. It's a day when I remind myself that I am not a machine. Rest, get this, it's a day where I say, I didn't do anything today. And then you don't add to it, and I feel so guilty. Come on. How many have been there? That's my MO. I, gotta, I have to stop doing that. How about this? Rest is a day when my phone is turned off. Is that possible? Does it have a power button? Right? When I don't check my email, and you can't get a hold of me. <laughs> That's a tough one, right? That's, that's really hard for a lot of us. We feel like we always have to be available. At least that's how I am. Like, oh, okay, well, so on. And I got to answer back. In fact, have you ever done this? I was thinking about this this morning is, 
if I missed a text an hour ago, three hours before someone texts me, the next day, do you know what I usually put in there, the first thing? I'm so sorry, I missed your text. I'm apologizing for not being available at that moment. Now, there's moments where, you know, people are in dire need. Something comes up. I mean, you know, an emergency. I understand that. But sometimes it's just not. And another thing I hate, it's probably my melancholy, you know, personality is, I hate like an iPhone, the little red circles with a number in it. Does anyone get those? And you just have to go on and click them so that red circle goes away. Because that's a notification, right? I got I to make that go away so everything is okay. It's just interesting. I'm talking about myself. I've got issues. Pray for me. But I think back to when I was a kid. We didn't have cell phones. Woo! Freedom, right? We didn't have pagers or beepers. Does anyone under 20 remember what a pager or beeper was? Oh, they're blowing up my pager. I got a call. I got a call. You got to find a payphone, <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, and, and get this. When I was growing up, um, I didn't have internet or email. No, I had to send it through this thing called the mailbox. Anyone heard of those? Does anyone still get mail to those things? I still think we do. We call that snail mail because it's so slow. In fact, I don't think we coined it that until after email came. Like instantly, there's an email. We've come so far. And look at, we're here, we're live. Now, again, if you're under 20, you're like, I don't understand. How did you live life back then with the dinosaurs, right? But I say this because I truly believe that Jesus wants to heal our souls. He wants to give us and bring us and, 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 and just have us experience the shalom, the peace of God. And so we have to stop. We have to slow down. There's times where we have to sit still and, and stare out the window. I know if you go on a trip and your kids don't have a device in their hand, you're like, just look out their window. That's boring. They don't know what that's like. But how many went on trips for thousands of miles and just stared out the window? Drooling a little bit. Who knows? But it's okay. We need to do that as adults because we're just as guilty of this. I mean, you can go into a restaurant. There's a couple there. They're supposed to be having a meal together, and they're doing this on their phone. And at least we came to a place where, like, nope, at the table, phones over there. At our old place, we actually had a, when you came in for family night, there was a basket. You got to put your digital device. And guess what? Everyone walked out unscathed. They were healthy. It was okay. But we have to learn to shut these things off sometimes. Sometimes we need to let the engine come to an idle. We have to listen to what the inner voice of spirit is saying to us. Because just because Jesus over 2,000 years ago spoke these words in thousands of years before that God spoke the words, it still applies to us today. See, not finding this place of rest, it leads to captivity, enslavement, and burnout. Not finding this rhythm in life of work and not working, right? Of accomplishment and celebrating. Your entire life can become destroyed. In stress, it becomes a mess. I often say this, but I think there's truth to this. We are human beings, not human doings. How many human beings in here? Isn't that great? The youth are having a good time. I think Pastor Kristen took them down to just bother me while I'm preaching. I'm just kidding. Hey, we're a family church. I love that they're having a good time together. That's what it's about. It's about connection. There's no devices. They're having fun. Isn't that awesome? But again, we're human beings. We're not human doings. 
Think about this. Not creating is just as important as creating. Now, I'm a musician. I played for, for many years, and I love music. I, I live on music. That's the one thing. Like, if I, had to, if I could give everything up, that's the one thing I couldn't. Like, I just, music has to be present in my life, whether it's just some chill or some worship or, you know, it's some, some, some metal to get me going during a workout or whatever. I just love music. I love all versions of music, and it speaks to me. But think about music. Even if you're not a musician, even if you don't understand or you can't read music, how many went to music class growing up? How many are familiar with sheet music? You know, when you look at sheet music, it's not just notes. There's rests as well. If there weren't rests within that music and it was all notes, it would just be solid noise the whole time. What makes music enjoyable, what makes it beautiful, what makes it um, just move our soul is that there's notes and then there's a rest. And then there's notes and there's a rest. There's crescendo. There's, what's the opposite of crescendo? Huh? Yeah, I was just checking. Decrescendo. I knew that. Decontrendo. Yeah, there you go. I play by ear, so I don't know. Not physically, but I hear notes and I know where they are. But it's important that we see the ebb and that flow. There's something about music that really moves me is dynamics. When it can come up and it can go down and it can rest and it can move. That's what makes a song a song. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of notes. It's solid noise. Why is this important to us? Because often in the Western culture, we go, 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 and then we collapse. And then we catch our breath and we do it all over again. And we go, 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 and then we collapse. And then we catch our breath and we do it all over again. See, that's not what true rest is. It's not collapse, so you can just get good enough to do the next thing over again. And many times I believe the addiction that we have is to the movement. We literally have an addiction to the pace and the movement, the achievement, the being productive. It becomes so dominant in our life that we only know rest is something we do in order to get back to the grind. It's not easy, but... In those times where we literally have restful moments, are we disengaging, not just physically, but mentally? And I know some people are like, well, Pastor Man, get, I want a message on faith. Sometimes it takes faith to trust that it's okay to just relax for a little while. See, this is a very spiritual thing. And I think in order for us to truly hear voice of spirit, I mean, think about how many times... Jesus went to a still, quiet place. He left his phone and his email. And he went to a still, quiet place. Why? Because we need that. He understood how the human body works. We need this place of rest. Seven, 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 seven. That's the pattern. See, the celebration of what has been done is the crescendo. <laughs> Right? We're celebrating what has been done. It doesn't begin with on day one, God rested. It's not resting so that you can get more done. It's all this is done. So the real climax, the real crescendo of it all was the ceasing and desisting, the sabbat, the Sabbath. And God showed us by example. See, in creation, the resting, the ceasing and celebration they're just as real, vital, and essential as the creation. Without it, you do not have the fullness of creation. 
It takes the full cycle. It takes all of this together. It's getting into the rhythm that God has given us. Because the enslavement to production and efficiency, it's such a driving force. We all sense this, right? It's such an addiction that we can't even see it. Has, has anyone ever dealt with addiction? Don't raise your hand, but think about this. Or do you know anyone who's dealt with addiction? Usually when you call out an addiction because you can see it, the person addicted doesn't. They're like, what are you talking about? I don't have a problem with alcohol. It's like you're losing your family and your house and your children and you drink all the time. I think there's an issue. I'm not judging you. I'm saying, let's wake up. Let's get some help. What do you mean? I'm not addicted to pornography. Yeah, your wife's just discovered it for the third time and now you're facing divorce. I think you're addicted. Does this make sense? These are real issues that we deal with. But what if we're the type of people that were addicted to the hit, the dopamine hit, that notification bell. It's interesting to me, how many times have you complained, your, your phone's going off, you're like, man, they just won't leave me alone. But what if they did? What if you had a day where somehow accidentally your notifications were turned off? You ever done this and went, oh my gosh, did, did everybody forget I'm here? We're addicted to it. I'm talking to myself too. I'm not talking against devices. I'm not talking against technology. I'm talking about what God has called us, called us to. We need Sabbath. We need Sabbath. We need rest in our lives. Have you ever had a, a day of doing completely nothing at all? And you say something like, wow, we just sat around all day. We ate a late breakfast. We just chilled. We relaxed. We spent time together. I mean, we're just so lazy. I mean, I've said this, like, ah, we even call them lazy days. What is this saying? It's saying that everything is about the work. So there's either work or there's being lazy. There's no in-between. There, there's no rest. Do you see how our minds can start to think on these things? But see, rest is so important. We were doing the really important thing in those moments of nothing because it was nothing, because it's necessary. When you work, 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 I said this earlier, what happens? Your value comes from how many bricks you make. Your identity comes from how productive and efficient you are. And I believe that God wants to rescue us from that life, just like he rescued the Israelites from that life. And he had to show them, though. He even commanded them, you must take this day and set it aside. It has to be holy. It has to be different than the other six, just like I did in the seven days of creation. Right, Because the full cycle is seven. God wants to show us what it means to be more human. As we bring this to a close, I want us to realize that Shavat is the mantra that you speak to yourself when you're having a hard time turning off the engine. Right, Because we love being busy. We love staying busy. My answer used to be to this, and I know others who were, hey, how you doing? Man, I'm just really busy. It was an automatic response. Well, stop being so busy. Do what you need to do and then rest. We need this for our life. Think about this. If you want to get more done, then set it down and walk away from it. If you ask anyone, especially who's an artist, true creativity comes from a period of not creating. It's taking time away. Then you come back to it fresh, and guess what? All of a sudden, it begins to flow. It begins to go, right? Sometimes we just need to drop it. We need to release it. We need to put it away. How did Jesus say? We need to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
Jesus said it. Heavenly Father said it. I want to wrap up with this final scripture. The Apostle Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 10. He says, but by grace, but by God's grace, I am what I am. And the grace that he gave me was not without effect. On the contrary, look at this. I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. What? That's a pretty bold statement. But he was a hard worker. But look at this. He says, although it was not really my own doing, but God's grace working with me. See, I think Paul got it. He learned the unforced rhythms of grace. As he was going through doing what he did. And, you know, listen. Sometimes we, you know, I don't know. I'm not trying to belittle it, but, you know, we think we're persecuted because someone believes something different theologically than we do, and they say, you're wrong. And we're all like, oh, my gosh, Jesus said I'd be persecuted. It's like, mm. they were going through, they were being fed to lions. They were being in prison. They were being stoned to death. I mean, this, and I'm not trying to belittle what, what we go through, but sometimes, man, I mean, <laughs> we need to put things in perspective, right? If someone doesn't agree with you, oh, well, we can move on from that. But no one's fed me the lions lately, right? And so through everything that Paul was going, I mean, he literally had to be let down in a basket outside of a wall because people wanted to kill him once and run away. I mean, this guy was running for his life many times. He would go and preach in a place and then these Judaizers would come in and they would try to change everything around that he just spoke. And it wasn't like he could just jump in his car or fly in a jet over to another city and fix it. These were days of travel. This took lots of time. And so imagine that people are after you. They want to kill you. People are coming in behind you and and saying you were wrong and, and messing things up. And I mean, there was a lot going on. But nonetheless, he says, you know what? I worked harder than any other apostle, and it was the grace of God. He learned the unforced rhythms of grace. So the question is, where can we start in our own lives? We're not the apostle Paul. We're not Jesus. We're made in God's image and likeness, but where can we start? I would say at home. We can start at home. I mean, think about a kid that's growing up in a home with no rest, with no savat. It's an energy that says, what have you done? Keep going. What are your grades? How much work have you done? What have you achieved? Now, I'm not saying that there's not moments and times and seasons for this. I have children, four of my own, four grandchildren as well. There's times where you have to go, hey, make your bed. Do what I ask you to do. Learn this skill. Let's get through this. But I also find sometimes I don't know when to just let them rest. It's like a constant barrage of let's get it done, let's get it done, and let's get it done the way I would do it. That's a tough one, isn't it? So it's learning to create those spaces in your home. See, Savat is both an ending point and a starting point. And it's simply, you are unconditionally loved and embraced exactly the way you are. You know, this is how Jesus was on this earth. I believe it's how he is now. He doesn't change, right? He wasn't so worried about what people were doing or saying or their lifestyle. He invited them because it's the kindness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. That word repentance, metanoia, means to change your mind. See, you you can fear someone. You can manipulate them. You can get them outwardly to do something different, but we've all heard it, right? Uh, People convinced against their will are of the same opinion still. See, the way that it becomes a lifestyle is by a heart change. 
And so we weren't there at every uh, meal that Jesus shared, uh, every uh, moment that Jesus had with people. But the one thing that I did see is that people changed. People who led a lifestyle of sin or lived a certain way or stole from people, they completely changed with one encounter with Jesus. And I believe that Jesus is still doing that with us as humans today. How about you? It's letting people know their unconditional love, that we embrace them exactly as they are. You want a motivator for your children. You want a motivator for your spouse. And these are things that I'm still learning, right? Is there rest and celebration in that space between you and your child, in that space between you and your spouse, in that space between you and your friends? We have to have rest and celebration. Think about it in this way. How do others treat you? Is there space for rest and celebration? Or do you have certain people that, whether it's mental or it's written, they have a list of ways they wish that you would be. And if you do that, then they might give you a little bit of loving. They might give you a little bit of friendship and relationship. If you would just, right? But how do we really grow? What brings lasting change in our lives? What moves us in life is when somebody embraces us exactly as we are. They see who you are. They embrace you in that moment. There, there's no list. There's no striving. There's no conditioning or conditions, I should, should say. It's affirming us despite our falling short, despite our lack of production in our performance. We need to allow, I believe, the spirit to flow in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our play places to bring rest, to bring savat, to bring healing, to bring 7777 completion. Let me say this and we'll close. We're not transformed by long lists of what we are not, but by being told a fresh word about ourselves. Someone giving you a list of what you are not is not what brings change. But someone giving you a fresh word, telling you where your true identity lies who you're made in the image and likeness of. Like Bishop Jamie Unglehart says, it's not calling out the sin in people, it's calling out the son and the daughter in them. It's them beginning to awaken to the truth and the reality of who they are and whose they are. See, many lose their identity when we rest because think about this, our entire identity is wrapped up in our performance and what we do and what we produce and how efficient we are. And all those, although those things are great when they come from the right place, if we make that our identity, it's not going to go well with us. We need to reestablish our identity in Christ, I believe, through the unconditional love and grace of Heavenly Father. So do you see how important it is to find rest, to cease and desist, to shavat, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace? It's essential in our life, isn't it? Will you stand with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Jesus always began his prayers with thanks, with thankfulness. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. It's a beautiful place to be in this new covenant, this new way of living where 
we're not praying hard enough and trying to conjure up enough faith to get you to move. You've already moved in Christ Jesus. We have everything we need for life and godliness. It's a matter of us awakening to it and by faith receiving what you've already given to us. And I believe that that goes for even rest. You've given us rest, but sometimes we just don't receive it, me included. I pray this morning that we've seen uh, how essential it is that we find these places and spaces of rest where we do detach, we, leave, we lay things down, we, we leave things be. Um, we're done with the work, even if the work isn't accomplished yet, and we find those places to find rest, to find refreshing. We thank you for your care for us. Jesus, you truly care for our soul. I pray if there's anyone here this morning or, or watching this this morning or even later that they're taking this to heart. That they're seeing how important it is to find these places in our life. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I love you. And I know you love me. I'm open to learning on this journey. Holy Spirit, if there's any area of my life where I'm not finding rest, speak to me. Show me those areas. And Jesus, I thank you that you're healing me from wrong ideas that I have to perform and go and go and go to please you. Let everything I do come from inspiration, come from you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.